This is an AI Group podcast. Welcome to this AI Group podcast, Mindset and Adaptability, Key to Business Success in the 21st Century. My name is Grant Cleary, National Marketing Manager here at AI Group. And my guest today is Vanessa McCamley. Vanessa is Principal Consultant and Founder of Link Success. And she specializes in learning and development and unlocking an organization's greatest assets, that is their people's brains. Last month, we spoke about the neuroscience of leadership. And today we're talking about mindset and adaptability and how these subjects are key to both an organization and individual's success. Vanessa, welcome. Thanks, Grant. I'd like to start with this fascinating subject that is growth mindset. And I'm sure this will spark the curiosity of our listeners. What exactly is growth mindset and how does it differ from, say, a fixed mindset? Yes, a lot of people may be aware of the work of Carol Dweck, who's been studying and researching this area for over 25 years, who actually coined the concept of growth mindset. And according to Carol Dweck, when a person has a fixed mindset, they believe that their basic abilities, intelligence and talents are fixed traits. They think that they are born with a certain amount and that's all you have. But with a growth mindset, we're constantly challenging the status quo, that we're able to push beyond our challenges and our status quos to be able to learn in new and different ways, to be able to overcome challenges in new ways that we haven't been able to do with a fixed mindset. Great. And look, is someone one or the other, a growth or fixed mindset, is this something that we're, we're born with essentially and we're going to have for the rest of our lives? No. Or is this, is this something that changes or adapts? So we will be a combination between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. So when you have a fixed mindset, it's normally when you think it's really limiting the option for you. Like, for example, for me personally, um, with starting my own business six years ago, I had this fixed mindset about accounting because I worked for corporates for like 20 years and always had someone doing, you know, the accounting and the financial stuff for me. When I actually had to run it myself and do it all from the start, I was like, oh, I hate accounting. And sorry for anyone out there <laughs> that is doing accounting. I, I really think you're amazing out there. <laughs> but for me, I had a fixed mindset and I kept dreading it. And I had to change my mindset to a growth mindset to go, this is really an important part of my business. I've got to understand it. And eventually, as I grow my business, I'll be able to bring experts in, but I still need to have a level of confidence around it around running my P&L and all those sorts of things that's really been valuable to me. So now I had to change my mindset and so that I don't dread it as much when I have to work on the financial side within my business. And was that a realisation that you came to yourself, Vanessa, or did someone guide you in that thinking that you needed to become more of a growth mindset? 
No, because I, w- I knew that it was important and I knew it was an area that I had to embrace. So I was like, when I was studying neuroscience from a leadership performance and productivity perspective, and I had to look at this whole fixed mindset versus growth mindset, that was the one that I went, oh, yeah, I definitely have a fixed mindset <laughs> about accounting and, and how good I am at it. My second one that um, always came to mind for me was driving. My husband's a very good driver. and. In Australia, he knows Australia like like the palm of his hand. So whenever we go anywhere, he's always the navigator. He's always the main driver. But recently, my parents are getting older and I needed to take my son up to go and see my parents up in sunny Port Macquarie. And I used to dread and not sleep so well the night before because I don't think I'm a very good driver. Well, let me rephrase that. I thought I wasn't a very good driver, so I had a very fixed mindset that I wasn't a good driver because I was comparing myself to my husband. Instead of I changed the mindset from having a fixed mindset to go, I don't like driving long distances and I'm not as good at it, to, you know what? I am a good driver. I I don't have any fines. I haven't had any accidents. I'm actually a very good driver. I just find that I need to brake more often and I need, maybe it takes me longer to get from Sydney to Port Macquarie, but hey, that's okay. So it's challenging those assumptions or challenging those uh, ingrained beliefs that you had and, and saying to yourself, well, actually, I may not be right there. Um, uh, I may be a good driver. I didn't think I was a good driver, but I may actually be a good driver and here's some reasons why. Yes. So what we often do is we compare ourselves in life, in business, in all aspects of our life. We compare, we we have a vision of what success looks like or someone's good at something and we compare it to where we think we are at. And what Carol Dweck's research is showing around this growth mindset is really fascinating is the language that we use, how important it is, as opposed to for example, if you're doing a performance review with someone, instead of saying it's either a pass or a failure or you, you're good at this grant but you're not so good at that, it's more, more about, hey, Grant, you're really good on the accounting side here. What could you do more in order to be able to present that and get the hearts and the minds of the people that you're doing that hard work for so that it's meaningful to them? So it's reinforcing the positive traits, but suggesting some ways that you could be even better. Yes, and language like as opposed to we we sometimes if a challenge looks way outside of our comfort zone, which working in this fast-paced digital age that we are, we're often feeling overwhelmed and not sure how to tackle certain obstacles that we face or challenges that are being given to us. Instead of going, oh, I don't know how to do that or I'm not good at that, We need to look at, well, okay, you might not be there yet. And the key word here is not yet, not pass or failure, but what would we need to do to actually get there? What would that look like? What would be the plan? What what could we mitigate to anticipate the obstacles that we face? And who else could we talk to who has done that where we can learn from them? And so I often refer to the iceberg model where we see success and see other people good at things. And then if we feel like we're not at that level, then we go, oh, we're not good at that. Or I don't want to do that because that's not my area of expertise. And we limit ourselves with a growth mindset. It's like, 
well, I might not be there yet. I might not be as good as Grant in, in the financial accounting where, but I can learn from him and then I can also give myself some goals and break it down into bite-sized chunks so that I can get there. Yeah, I've heard a saying recently, perfection is the enemy of good. It is. And it was, to be honest, I grew up thinking I had to be perfect at all these things to be worthy. So coming from being a perfectionist myself and being able to diversify, I've changed my career three times, um, re-skilled, re-changed. I have pushed my brain beyond, I think, its initial diameters. And yeah, I think I'm the walking, living proof that you can do anything you put your mind to. Fantastic. So why should organisations and leaders care about the mindset of their employees? Mindset is critical, particularly in this digital age. And tell me more about that. So in the digital age, we obviously have a lot more information. It's fed to us in lots of different ways. How does that differ from how we worked in the past and how should organisations um, uh, focus on that when they are trying to improve the mindset of their employees? The brain seeks certainty. And so the amount of change and having to constantly change because businesses are constantly faced with constant change and constant obstacles. It's about having the ability to see these obstacles in new ways and having a growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset because we also need to be quicker than what we have before. And if we keep going with the fixed mindset and we go into denial and blame and make excuses to why we're not doing the things that we said we would do and not deliver and making up stories about why we haven't delivered, it just takes us through that change curve so much longer to be able to recover. Yeah, that's a great point. And if you think now, in order to be competitive, in order to be nimble, and get new solutions to market and respond to market needs and customer needs quickly, we need to be adaptable. And that is uh, better related to a growth mindset than a fixed mindset, which is going to say, no, actually, I'll, um, you know, I'll take the least path of resistance. Um, we need to be analytical about stuff before we actually do stuff. So is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll give you an example. So often... And we were talking about it before this podcast about giving people feedback and constructive feedback and how we tend to avoid these things. And what it is, is because we don't want to offend people and send them down this emotional spiral because everyone, I believe, really does want to make a difference and they really do want to add value. But I believe in business, we've gone to left side of the brain. We've been too data analytical and we're not using or tapping into the right side to balance it out from a creativity, innovation perspective, which is where intuition comes from. And so when we're having to give people feedback, instead of taking that to heart and having criticism, we need to be able to listen and actually learn with a growth mindset. It might be painful to hear hear constructive feedback, but it's so valuable because there are lessons in there that's going to make you even better. Absolutely. So this is a good segue to what I want to talk about next, and that's how do organisations and leaders create that culture of growth mindset and encourage their employees to think differently? Yes. 
And it's really important. There are really four key, key steps for having a growth mindset. And the first one is being aware of your fixed mindset. So educating people and, and pointing them out in a fun way. So the first step is being aware, really being aware of what your fixed mindset is because unless you're conscious of it or you can catch it or you can make it a friendly thing to say, oh, hey, Grant, I can see that you're, you're worried about risk here. Let's, let's think through this together on how else we could see this yes. situation. Great. If we can be, get your team to help each other to spot out what, what do we have a fixed mindset at? And when we actually do that behaviour, do it in a fun way to go, hey, Grant, how else could we see that or how else could we do that in a lighthearted way? And we go, oh, yes, got it. I am doing a fixed mindset. Okay, how else could I see this as a growth mindset? Secondly is to understand is that we do have a choice. We have a choice about how we code our thoughts. So on average, we have between fifty to 70,000 thoughts per day. Depending on how you skew between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset, and again, as I said to you, it's a combination. None of us are perfect and walk around with a total growth mindset. But even if you could change or move the needle of taking even 10% of what you have a fixed mindset and change it into a growth mindset, over time, you'll get into that pattern and you'll see the reward of what that growth mindset is able to achieve and you'll do more and more over time. It takes around 90 days to change a mindset, a behaviour, a habit or a skill to be able to embed it. And I'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to neuroplasticity. So this is about conscious choice. So it being is conscious choice. of our thoughts and being conscious that we can control those voluntarily. Because we carry our brain around with us with very little awareness. Our subconscious is mainly in control. So by us understanding what we have a fixed mindset and be more conscious and we also from a team perspective we understand what each other's is and how we can change it into a growth mindset we can support that in the conversations that we have on a daily basis. So a question I have for you if a leader has predominantly a growth or fixed mindset and you, and you talked about earlier that um, we're not one or the other. There is, you know, there, along a scale, we're going to be a mix. But if someone is predominantly, say, a growth mindset and they're leading a team of fixed mindset people, is that going to be a problem? It depends on, I guess, whether the fixed mindset respect and look up to the leader of that team. Because if that is the case, if they look up to this and go, oh, wow, this leader's amazing, they think outside the square and they want to be like that, then that's great because they will rise to that. But if the group seems to think, oh, I don't know what planet <laughs> this leader is on, and it puts them more into a threat state, then that may not work and some tough conversations <laughs> might need to happen in order to help the fixed mindset to change their growth into a growth mindset. Sure, and, and I guess contrary to that is if you have a leader who has a real fixed mindset, leading a team of people who have predominantly a growth mindset, then that's going to be a challenge as well, right? Yes. So let's have a look at your team that you lead. What do you think the balance is of a fixed and growth mindset and what examples have you seen? Yeah, I, I think, uh, well, I lead a marketing team and so by nature those people are probably more growth mindset. 
Um, and I would like to think of my leadership style as predominantly growth mindset. So I think there's a really good synergy there. Um, I think in, on, some ha- on, on some levels, um, we might go back to more of a fixed mindset if we're a little bit more cautious about things. But I think for the most part, uh, the team, you know, the team is, um, is a growth mindset. We persist in the face of setbacks. Um, we give each other constructive, you know, feedback. Um, we, we tend to learn from criticism and that sort of stuff, which I would consider to be all, um, all part of being a growth mindset. Excellent. So in a nutshell is if we summarised it, it's A, being really conscious of it, um, whether we have a fixed mindset and how we can actually change it and even brainstorm with people to help make sure that we can look at the fixed mindset and look at how can we change that into a growth mindset, just like I did with my business from an accounting perspective and just like I did from a driving perspective. Now, driving to Port Macquarie is a lot more joyful and I sleep better the night before. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Glad to hear that. Um, I want to switch um, switch paths a little bit and talk about the concept of motivational mindset. We've talked about growth and fixed mindsets, but motivational mindset is what I'd like to talk about next. And particularly, I've been reading about prevention-focused people versus promotion focused people. Let's talk about that. So this piece of work on motivation mindset came from Heidi Grant, who led a team of researchers for Columbia Business School. And basically, she was looking at from what type of mindset do people have? And she came down to that there are two predominant mindsets. There's either a prevention focus, which is we see goals to what we may lose. So these are people who avoid mistakes. They work maybe a little bit more slowly. They're anxious when things go wrong. They may have more perfectioners. We were talking about being perfectionist. Um, Qualities, want security. They like structure. And she gives a really great example from a soccer perspective that when going for a goal, they're likely to achieve twice the amount of goals if the instructions were not to miss and that it's your obligation to actually kick this amount of goals as opposed to a promotion-focused mindset, which are people who are great brainstormers. They're focused on what they have to gain. They work quickly. They think, with, they think outside the square. They look at best-case scenarios, they're innovative, and they plan sometimes without thinking about all the possible consequences <laughs> because they're, qu- they're quite quick in their thinking. So the soccer example for these type of players would be score twice as much when the instructions were your aspiration is to kick at least three goals to be successful. And so what she looks at is that depending on your actual position, your role, you need to really consider and work out within your team is what mindset predominates. And similar to the fixed and growth mindset that we're a combination with prevention 
and promotion focus, you will be a combination again, but there will be one that is more, more predominant than the other. So if I look at you, for example, Grant, what would be for you? What would be your predominant? So if I think about my understanding of promotion focus, and by the way, I saw a really good example of this. So I read a, a very good example of this before our podcast talking about a promotion focus is when you buy a lottery ticket. Prevention focus is when you're having a flu shot, <laughs> which, I, which I thought was a really, which I thought was a really good illustration of the difference. But if I think about a promotion focus, um, being innovative, willing to take risks, you know, wanting to try new ways, and and I'm very much encouraging my team here at AI Group to do that, to engage with members in new ways digitally. For example, you know, we're we're producing these podcasts and webinars, which is new and innovative. So I would say um, my my focus and I believe my team's focus is very much around promotion focus uh, versus uh, prevention. And so what Heidi talks about, it's really important to understand which mindset predominates for each of your team members. Yeah, because so how it, do we go about doing that? As organisations yeah. and leaders, how do we understand um, our team's motivational mindset? So often what I do is actually share Heidi's video, which was done, as I said to you, by Harvard Business Review, and I get people to talk about it in groups. So if anyone who's listening today wants to reach out and grab that video off me, please email me at Vanessa, V-A-N-N-E-S-S-A, at linksuccess, L-I-N-K, success, or one word, dot com dot A-U, and I'll send you the video. And what you can do is watch the video within your team and discuss when do you think we have a prevention versus promotion mindset on a day-to-day basis and what actually puts us more in a reward state. And by opening that up with a team, and I've done this with many, many teams, is that people go, oh, yes, I I can see when I'm prevention or when I'm promotion and and what's the outcome of those behaviours and motivation. And it's very, very powerful. Also, it gives you an understanding of what what puts someone in a reward and a threat state, which is our brain's operating principle. We want to be able to minimise the threat and maximise the reward. So it changes the language on how we speak to each each person within your team, which makes communication more effective. Excellent. And I'm curious, Vanessa, is there going to be differences in organisations in terms of the employees being predominantly uh, promotion-focused versus prevention-focused according to the type of a business, for example, a startup? Are they going to be more promotion-focused? Um, the age of the organisation, if it's an older organisation, are they going to be more prevention-focused? Uh, the type of organisation, if it's a technology or some sort of type of innovation, are they going to be more prevention promotion focused or am I just making assumptions here? No, so it's going to vary depending on those. So for example, for small business and you're starting off, for example, you'll probably need more of promotion focus. But depending on what type of business that you're actually in and whether you're dealing with risk or say financial banking, for example, um, you probably need a you know prevention focused people. So it really depends on what type of company you have, what are your services, and in most cases you need a combination of those. And it comes down to comfort levels, I guess. 
what you're comfortable with in terms of um, promotion versus prevention. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I want to now talk about adaptability. What does it mean to be adaptable and how does an organisation encourage that through their culture? The brain's ability to adapt is just like plastic. So how does it work? Think of your brain as a dynamic power grid. Have you imagined that? Your brain is a power grid? <laughs> I never have, but I'm curious to learn more. There are billions of pathways or roads lighting up every time you think, feel, or do something. Some of these roads are well-travelled, and these are what's called habits. And if you think about it, Grant, is that we establish our ways of thinking and feeling and doing by doing the same thing over and over and over again. And the reason the brain does that is what I call shortcuts, is because the brain is a hungry energy resource. So your subconscious is processing 11 million bits of information per second. And your conscious, your prefrontal cortex, part of your brain, your executive function of your brain is processing maybe around 40, which it can only really recall maybe one to four things at any given moment. So the brain is a hungry resource and it wants to protect the energy because our brain is almost like a battery. It runs out of gas throughout our day, depending on how we fuel it, so how we feed um, feed our brain, the water intake that we do, and how we actually structure our day to be able to ensure how long that battery is actually going to sustain us for day in and day out. And so the brain creates these habits to be able to have these shortcuts. So, for example, when you're brushing your teeth, or you're driving the car and you've already done it a million times, you don't have to think about those things so much. You can start to think, plan your day or do other things, correct? So what neuroplasticity does is that whenever we need to create new wiring or a new habit or a new behaviour because our old ways of doing things are no longer suffice. So I think I spoke to you, Grant, about this earlier is we might have a behaviour that we've done since we were little all the way up to being in adulthood and it may have helped us to be successful at some point in time. But it may no longer uh, help us in this busy digital way mm. that we're working and not operating. It's not serving us well. Anymore. It's not serving us anymore and we might have a fixed mindset about that. So then it's really looking at, well, what new behaviour do I want to replace that with and how do I focus on that from a positive perspective? So what is the goal that I want to achieve? So it's really important to know when, when you're creating new wiring, be very clear about what the goal is, why you're doing this in the first place, because you need to be really motivated and excited about creating a new habit. So you need to be focused, what, what is the goal? How are you going to pay attention to it? And what is the positive feedback? and the reward that you're going to get from actually achieving it. So the end result, we really need to understand what is the end result. And, and, and break that end change. result down into chunks because you need to have milestones. It's not, the, it's not getting to the end of your goal or achieving the outcome, it's the journey and what you're continuously learning along the way. Because we often will have a mindset about achieving a goal 
but we'll learn so much more throughout that experience than what we would have anticipated. And it's about being adaptable that we can adapt during reaching that goal. This is really important. So sharing it with someone so they can help mentor you through that and help keep you on track. Yeah. And and this is, um, I think this is where we have a whole industry now of, of uh, coaches, um, of trainers, you know, not just in business but in also in sports um, and in exercise and life coaching and all that sort of stuff. Do you think that's what people are looking for here? Well, I think anyone in Anyone who wants to be successful will need help along the way. It's just not possible to solve it all on our own, which is why we have these 50 to 70,000 thoughts per day going round and round and round in our heads trying to sort through how we're going to achieve this goal because we will come up with eight or nine or many ways to overcome something but not sure which path to take. And because we've become overall a little bit more risk adverse, is that we don't want to fail, which is why the Carol Dweck work around growth mindset is so important about, well, if we have a growth mindset and we make failing more of an acceptable part of our culture so that we can learn and reflect without um, feeling ashamed or feeling that we're losing face, this is going to really make a difference for us to be able to deliver um, quicker speed, come up with more creative ideas and be able to execute at a different level than what we have been able to in the past. Excellent. We've covered so much today around the subjects of mindset and adaptability and how they are key to business success in the 21st century. Are there a couple of things you'd like to leave us with, Vanessa, a couple of key points that you'd like to, to finish with today? Absolutely. Number one is be aware of what sort of mindset that you have. Be aware of that voice that is churning inside your head constantly, giving you feedback to really make up your mind what is a fixed mindset and how you could turn that into a growth mindset. The second one is when you're working with a team, understand whether they're more prevention or promotion focused because the language needs to actually change to help them actually achieve success. The third thing I would suggest you all to do who have been listening to us on this podcast is go, what have you learnt? What will you stop doing from listening to today? And um, what will you start doing? And the thing I would encourage is also what will you continue doing? Because there will be things that you're doing that reflect on our conversation and doing these things that Grant and I have been discussing today. But how could you stop doing some of the things that hold you back and start doing the things that are actually going to give you the growth so that you can overcome obstacles in new ways? Great advice and practical tips and learnings for us as individuals as well as leaders of organisations. So thank you very much for your time, Vanessa. I've really enjoyed our discussion today. 